Hello, everybody. This is Josh Neighbors with the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, August 31st, 2020. And this Locked On Nats podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you sports performance bar in the game today. They've got 18 flavors, including six new flavors that have caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barchia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They also have the original 12 flavors, all chocolate, six with nut, six without nut. They are healthy. They are good for you. And they have an offer for you right now. Free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use a promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Also a chance to win that free cooler as well. Once again, $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Today's show We discussed the Nationals' long weekend and series loss against the Boston Red Sox, what they should do coming up here at the trade deadline, which is in about six hours, and this is also why we are recording this now is because I don't think they do a whole lot. Um, And, yeah, so we talk about the the Red Sox series, uh, what lies ahead for the Nationals, because it's very challenging, their upcoming schedule, and a whole lot more. Before we get into the show, I want to say two things. Number one... I want to thank everybody who is a listener of the show for being involved in our live stream that Gabrielle Starr of the Locked On Red Sox podcast and I did on Friday night. A lot of you guys were involved, asking good questions. You guys are watching the game with us, you know, asking us stuff about who we thought would win this award, uh, that award, who the Nationals should trade. I appreciate all the questions we got on Twitter and the chat, everything. For those of you who participated positively, I want to say Thank you to you. Um, Secondhand, the most important thing for those out there, and I'm sure not many of them are listening because they like to spend their time, you know, trolling as opposed to listening to actual content. um, It was really disappointing to see that many people for the duration of the two plus hours decided that they were going to say nasty, mean things and antagonize Mostly Gabrielle. I mean, I, you know, there was a, a, a couple things said in my direction, but nothing that was that bad. And uh, Gabrielle was antagonized for most of it. I thought she handled it brilliantly. I thought she handled it very well. Um, I was in an odd spot because as those questions came up, it was a bit difficult for me in, in real time to, uh, you know, I probably should have texted her and said, hey, you know, these questions are coming up, you know, how do you want to deal with these? And she and I had to shoot a couple texts back and forth, but you know, if she sees questions or she sees something, she has the right to respond however she'd like to. So we, you know, tr- deciding whether or not to ignore certain things uh, can be difficult. Also, um, I didn't fully under, you know, understand some of the software. So some unbecoming comments were left up on the screen for far too long. We ended up taking the stream down, but I, I apologize if anybody was offended by some of the comments. I found them nasty and rude and mean. Gabrielle did too. We tried the best we could to ignore them. We didn't fully know how to get them off the screen or hide them in the Periscope chats. So if we do it again, we'll know how to do that. The The biggest point is that, um, especially for women in this industry, it can be very difficult. It is very difficult, much, most, much more so than men. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, as somebody who had one negative podcast review for uh, not knowing a hundred percent what the team's record was and somebody coming to say, Hey, I don't, I don't learn anything from the podcast. You know, I was upset by that. And uh, it was one comment. You know, I, I think that my goal every single day is not to come on here and 
you know, act like I know stuff that you all don't know. It's kind of to work through things that happen with people uh, like Connor Jones, like Blake Finney, like Max Raymond, like Gabrielle Starr. We you know, kind of work through stuff and kind of see where we get. You know, I'm not always going to say, all right, guys, this is what we saw. No, a lot of the stuff I'm going to say is stuff that you guys have seen, just kind of give you my perspective on where it's going. But one negative comment and, you know, I was a bit frustrated and I said, oh, I, you know, I want to get better and I, I want to make sure that the show is really good. Gabrielle deals with negative comments constantly. She's got a large Twitter following. As you guys know, Red Sox Nation is a very, very passionate group of individuals who care a lot about their team, which is fair. But Gabrielle is a recognized, um, thoughtful, and smart person when it comes to baseball. Does Gabrielle get everything right? No. Does anybody? No. As much as the Clay Travises of the world, the Colin Cowherds of the world, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, sometimes, and, and those two last two guys to a much lesser extent than, than Clay Travis, but these people aren't always right. We aren't always right. We're not going to get things 100% correct. I haven't. People don't come after, and, and you know this is a show that does pretty well. It's had major listener growth. You guys, hundreds of people listen to each one of these episodes. We get thousands of listeners every single month. And I appreciate you all, while you guys might not agree with everything that I say, that you all don't come after me. For Gabrielle, that is not the reality. Whether it's a live stream, whether it's an episode, you know, people come after her all the time. And every little thing that she says about, you know, something that people perceive as wrong or disagree with, the venom that they have is so palpable. It is, it's there. I mean, we saw it in the live stream. It's one of those things where me that was difficult to handle in the moment. Yeah, I said a couple things about it, but you know, it's it's just such a I mean the, the word I want to use is buzzkill because, you know, I didn't tweet a whole lot from the Lockdown Nationals Twitter account this weekend. I didn't I didn't really want to think about, you know, I watched the baseball games, but I didn't want to think about it because Friday night was just really disheartening. That, you know, some of the stuff I tweet out there, you know, people go along with it and, you know, people like it. And I have funny tweets about, you know, how the, the Nationals should figure out who their last starter is going to be. You know, people don't rip me for my opinions. People, you know, Connor Jones doesn't rip me for every single one of my opinions. And he disagrees with much of what I say on the podcast. And she does not – she deals with quite the opposite, with people coming at her about most, mostly everything, every single thing she says – I think part of it, number one, is jealousy. I think that there's a lot of people out there who think that they could do what uh, we do. And, and, you know, I'm not saying, you know, listeners out there could not go ahead and do something similar to this. But I think there's a lot of men especially who see, uh, see a woman in that spot and are a bit jealous and think that, oh, they're just there because, you know, they're so-and-so. And, you know, people were making accusations about how she gets credentials at Fenway Park. She's a Red Sox podcast with over 17,000 Twitter followers. She deserves to be credentialed. And you you people coming at her for stuff like that, it's it's ridiculous. And she should not have to deal with it. No woman should have to deal with it. I tweeted something about this on Friday night, and I want to I want to read that tweet out loud to everybody now because I stand by this. I stand by this and I do apologize for the bit of profanity at the end, but this is what I said. Tonight I did a 2 plus hour stream with Gabrielle Starr. And for most of it, people made cruel comments directed at her. It was so bad that we had to delete the stream. I have never been more embarrassed as some of my, some of my followers were involved. The shit treatment of women in sports needs to stop. And I stand by that now because women have to deal with this stuff all the time. Um, 
And we reached out to the head of the podcast network, David Locke. Once again, Gabrielle and I could not be happier to work at a place like the Locked On Podcast Network. The hosts are great. We get a lot of support. Um, and we do appreciate you, you guys as the listeners. We encourage you to disagree. I encourage discourse all the time. I want your feedback. I want to know what you guys feel about my thoughts on the on you know, the Nationals, uh, my thoughts on baseball, about Connor's thoughts on baseball. I want to hear all of those things. What I don't want to hear is any hurtful comments towards people. I don't want to see any jealousy. I don't want to see people at you accusations, you know, from trolls on the internet. I mean, people accusing Gabrielle, you know, of saying you only get credentialed for games because of this or you know the players or whatever it is. You know, she's got 17,000 Twitter followers. She's a diehard Red Sox fan. She does tons of podcasts for Locked On. She's very active in our host chat. She works all the, you know, she works more than one job. A lot of us do. But she is much like a lot of us. And for some reason, she takes more heat unnecessarily. It's just there is this resentment of successful women in sports. And, you know, as this is something that I had to talk about a lot. And it was really sad, but... Whenever I had female staff members work for me at the University of Missouri radio station, we always had to have some conversations about what they were going to experience. And it was stuff like, you know, imagine working in the bubble right now for the NHL and having to hear stuff like Mike Milbury's comments about, you know, distractions. You have a conversation going on about what distracts hockey players. And I forget who the second color commentator on the game was, but he made a point. He said, look, if you are a player who likes playing hockey and nothing else and being with your teammates, this is a perfect place for you. There's no other distractions. You're just here. You're playing hockey with your teammates. That is a, that's a fair point. He's not calling anybody out. He's not mentioning certain distractions. He's just saying, you know, this is an environment that's just all about action. Mike Milbury, on the other hand, says, yeah, there's no girls here to distract you. And the issue is that, number one, there are women working in the bubble in that covering the games. And two, you've just made them and all the other women, you know, who are working in industry or just women in general, you've just turned them into distraction. That's all they are. It's just a pretty face. And they, they automatically just become a distraction. And that was stuff that I had to discuss with, with the women who worked for me and women who worked with me. You know, obviously women that worked with me, I, I'm not giving them direction, but you know, the women who worked for me, I, I always try to give them, I said, Hey, look, if you ever have any issues, come to me, let me know. But just be prepared that there are always going to be slight moments where you're going to catch stuff because, you know, we worked in the SEC. So we worked in the SEC press box. It's not the most progressive place in the entire world. And so I just wanted to give them a heads up. And it was never you know, saying this stuff is normalized. This stuff is correct. But just say that you guys might have to deal with anything. And you guys can always come and share that because a lot of women feel like, you know, they just have to bury it and deal with it and focus on it by themselves. They should not have to deal with it. They should not have to put up with it. And we as men in sports media, and I don't think I did a good enough job on the live stream, we as men in sports media need to do a better job of helping them, of, of shutting down the bad talk. Now, you know, take their lead, and if, they, if they're not ignoring it, you follow them. On the live stream, I was trying to take Gabrielle's lead, see how she wanted to deal with those remarks, and I may have missed it a little bit, not, you know, not being strong enough in my pushback, but I was embarrassed, and uh, Gabrielle and other women in, in this industry deserve your respect. You may have, have respectful conversations with them, but don't come at them because you know, you're saying, oh, 
uh, she's a woman and, uh, you know, I just, you know, you know, deep down it's coming from a place of you resent a successful woman in sports media. There is a lot of that. I am wrong too. You people don't treat me like you treat her. You treat her much more viciously and attack her much more. I had one comment where somebody said, I, you know, that's, that, that was wrong in the chat the other night. And that was the only re really way somebody came at me. For her, it was just like, Gabrielle knows nothing. She knows absolutely nothing. It was upsetting for me to see. Um, it needs to stop. You all, if you guys are ever in chats or whatever, please help us out. Make sure that we support women who work in sports, whether it be coaching, whether it be uh, media, whether it be whatever, player personnel. You know, you, it's, it's up to us because there's a lot of, we heard a lot over the years about a lot of toxic situations, whether it be working in the media, whether it be working for teams like the Redskins or the Mavericks, whether it be what we experienced the other night, whether it be photography or whatever positions they are, it's up to us as men and as sports fans to support them and make these environments, whether it be covering men's sports, whether it be covering women's sports, accepting for all. And uh, we have not done a good enough job of doing that. And so just want to say, uh, I was upset about that. I want to, once again, thank everybody who was involved, who was giving us great questions, who allowed us, you know, you, you, the fan allowed that to be a two hour stream during a 10 to one baseball game that, you know, the game wasn't all that exciting, but because you all asked thoughtful, uh, you know, well-intentioned questions, we were able to have a good, fun, lively discussion about the league, about MVPs, about you know what both teams should do, and we had a really good time, and I and I enjoyed it up until those comments that were made, um, really towards the end, but they were sprinkled in there throughout the entire time. There was enough good that we were able to ignore it for most of the chat, but then towards the end, things got a bit, uh, I mean, got very un, you know um, unruly, and, and and it was unacceptable. So. I had to do better with, with, you know, figuring out how to work those streams and make sure that we aren't all exposed to that and, um, you know, we're able to, you know, protect each other a bit better. Um, but I just wanted to say that before we got going because that was, that's been on my mind ever since we've done that stream on Friday night. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit now about the uh, Nationals rough weekend, um, what we can expect from the trade, what, trade deadline today, and, you know, it's probably not going to be very much. Connor Jones and I will be back tonight with a post-trade deadline podcast. Also, the Nationals play a game today as well, too, so we'll have more from that later on. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick! with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. All right, let's get to it here. It was a difficult and disappointing weekend for the Washington Nationals. They lost two of three games to the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. The Nationals fall to 12-19. and 19. They are six games back of first place in their division. 
They are 6-13 and 13 at home, 6-6 six and six on the road. They've lost two straight games. They've only won three of their last 10. ESPN gives them a 16% chance to make the playoffs. They are in dead last place in the National League East. Right now, if you look across the National League, Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers are your three division winners. The Marlins, the Cardinals, and the Padres are your three second-place teams in each of those divisions. So those are your six automatic playoff teams. Next, the two teams with the best records who would be your wild cards, those would fall to the to the Colorado Rockies, who are 17-17. and 17. And then I believe it's a bit difficult to tell because of winning percentage at this point, but I think the Philadelphia Phillies right now at 14-15 and 15 would be the second team involved. They're tied with the Marlins at 14-15 and 15 for second place in that division. So those two teams I think would be safe. Um, so the National League East currently would send about three teams. If you're looking at that target spot, and I think at this point in time it's, a, it's all about targeting, can you catch up to that second spot in your division if you're really trying to chase a guaranteed playoff spot? And for the Nationals, they're three games back of the Marlins right now at 12 and 19 as we sit here on Monday morning. That is, you know, the the I guess the good news is that they're three games back out of that position. Um what happened this weekend? It started off really well. Max Scherzer really is the catalyst and so was the offense to 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 a good extent, but Max Scherzer gives them a brilliant outing on Friday night. Six innings, one earned run, 11 strikeouts. The Nationals get a 10-2 win in a game where uh, Trey Turner gave us a preview of things to come for the entire weekend, got three hits, drove in three runs in that game. He was a real star. Juan Soto went deep as well. The Nationals were 4 of 10 with runners in scoring position. They moved the line very well all night long, getting that win. And I said this on Friday night, too. I said this in the preview leading into the weekend. I thought the Nationals needed to get a series sweep of the Red Sox to get themselves back going. And it was also because of their schedule coming up, which we'll get to in a second. We shift now to Saturday night, where the Nationals fall 5-3 to three to the Red Sox, and Anibal Sanchez was back to being his inept self. Five innings, eight hits, five earned runs, four strikeouts, no walks, so the command was good, but he gave up two earned runs as well, and the Nationals were not able to climb out of that hole. Wander Suero, Will Harris, and Kyle Finnegan all did very well out of the bullpen to keep the lead at just five. But uh, the Red Sox scored five runs in the first um, the first five innings. Excuse me, first four innings. The Nationals were able to make it 4-3 in the top of the third and get themselves back in the game a little bit. But the offense dried up, and from the fourth on, they weren't able to drive anybody in. Four for 13 with runners in scoring position, so not awful, but uh, they were not all night. They weren't great. Trey Turner goes five for five. Howie Kendrick and Adam Eaton drive in runs. But a difficult night for the Nationals and the Red Sox. Uh, you know, Chris Mazza did not do very well. Give up all three of the runs, all three of them earned. But the bullpen for the Red Sox from Hernandez, Valdez, Bryce, Osich, Brazier, and Barnes. They got a really nice evening from the pen, and those guys, when the, I mean, it was a bullpen night for them, and they all got it done. The bullpen goes six and two-thirds innings, delivering a shutout in that span. They only walked five guys for the Nationals. They only gave up five hits as well, too. No runs. So the, the Red Sox bullpen was the story. On Sunday, the story for the Nationals, and this is one that we've heard a whole lot of times, Austin Voth got off to an awful start 
and basically ensure that the Nationals would be playing from behind for the duration of the game. It was a 9-5 win for the Red Sox. Austin Voth only goes two innings, gives up six hits, five earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, gives up two home runs. His ERA is now at eight. He's 0-4 on this season. Zach Godley started for the Red Sox. He went four and two-thirds innings, eight hits, five earned runs, uh, three Ks, two home runs. And the Nationals did a good job chasing him out of the ballgame. The only problem was the Red Sox scored eight runs in the first three innings of the game. And the Nationals were behind the eight ball from the start. They got two back in the third, but the Red Sox got three. And so at that point in time, it was eight to two Red Sox by the end of the third inning. The Nats were able to generate three more runs between the fourth and the fifth. They made this thing a bit more of an interesting game. It was eight to five but weren't able to get anything across. The Red Sox added one in the eighth inning and won this game 9-5. to five. Trey Turner, 3-5 for five in this game. What a weekend he had. He's now hitting 360 on the season. Juan Soto added the pair of hits. And once again, I said this on Friday night, I like them going 1-2. I know you want to distribute them a bit more, so there's a bit more offense even out throughout the lineup. But for right now, I think it's, it's smart to keep them one and two. Cabrera goes 0 for 4, which is tough. Eric Thames did have a home run. Jan Gomes is hitting 296. He gets two hits yesterday as well. Adam Eaton just has not been good enough to stay in that two hole because he's hitting only 228. Josh Harrison's brought them some offense so you could move him around, but I don't really know what the Nationals are going to do at this point. They brought in Brock Holt this weekend, uh, obviously former Red Sox. Ironically enough, they bring him and he got a nice little standing ovation yesterday. Maybe if they can get him going, he can be a part of the front of the lineup. But the Nats need some help in that front because Soto and Turner right now are the only two guys who are consistently generating offense on a night-to-night basis. The two best hitters, it's not very close. And Jan Gomes and Kurt Kurt Suzuki, the catcher spot's actually been pretty good for the Nationals so far this season, but uh, not a whole lot happening there. Gara Backus, Doolittle Hudson, and Harper all in this game. Sean Doolittle actually does get get two-thirds innings of work. He did give up two hits, does not give up any runs. You know, this kind of gets the conversation of what Nationals players have some trade value, and Sean Doolittle might be one, but I don't think so. The Nationals need to consider what to do at the trade deadline. Let's do that after a quick break. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important now than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there is no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have over 3 million times. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it faster. Try Indeed out for a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, let's talk about what the Nationals should do at the trade deadline here. So it really starts with this. What, what is the strategy at the trade deadline? 
The Nationals, as I said earlier, are 12 and 19. They're six games out of first place in their division. They're three out of that wild card spot against Miami. So you're thinking, hey, maybe that is doable. This team does not look like a group that is going to make a playoff push. I would say that because, one, you have no Strasburg, and uh, it's not like a winning streak seems that feasible when you really can't support the back end of the rotation. Scherzer has been strong for the most part this season, right? He's had a couple outings where he's kind of fallen off at the tail end, so it's been interesting to see. But he's really strong still. Patrick Corbin, a bit hit or miss, a bit hit or miss so far this season. And you would say, well, they have Strasburg definitely make the push. Well, they don't. And Anibal Sanchez has been a nightmare. Austin Voth been a nightmare. Eric Fetty, you're still not really comfortable with as a starter. So the rotation is not that good. The bullpen's been asked to work a lot more than typically I think you know most of us would be comfortable with, uh, even, even though it's better. After last season, I don't think we are really confident in uh, the bullpen long term. We still get pause and high leverage situations. The way the team is comprised... The elder guys on this team, like this is a team that, you know, is is not going to get young in a hurry. But I do think they have pieces they can move. If you're saying, well, hold on, Josh, let's look ahead to see what can the Nationals, could they, do they have a stretch run where they can make some noise and uh, get some things done? Remember, I said this in the beginning of the season, not to toot my own horn, but come on, people. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to give you my analysis. Some people said, hey, there's nothing here I could have learned elsewhere. I said they needed to get the job done in the beginning of the schedule. The Yankees three, obviously the Yankees are tough, but we know whatever. Toronto, that that stretch of games need to get done. The Marlins they need to get it done. Against the Mets, they've they, they've split with you to get it done. The sweep against the Orioles was not good. Um, you know the Orioles series second time around was the only series win they had of the season. They take the first two games against the Mets in New York, lose the second two games. Atlanta, they got a 1-1 split, but they weren't able to get anything going, and they blew that one game that they lost. They should have gotten a win there. The Marlins, another four-game split. They lost two to the Phillies. They lost two to the Red Sox. So, you know, you try to look at, hey, who are the worst teams? The Nationals are that worst team. They are the slipping team. They are the team that you want to play right now. They are not a team that's in any position to make a run. They've got four in Philadelphia coming up starting today. They've got four in Atlanta after that. They've got two against Tampa, another four against Atlanta, another two at Tampa. That is the stretch that the Nationals face right now. Your next eight games are on the road against teams that have been playing pretty well in your division. The division leaders and the Braves and then the the, uh, the Phillies are 5-1, and one, I believe, in their last six games. They have some momentum. The Nationals do not. After those eight games... Like I said, two with Tampa and then four with Atlanta again. You're playing the division leader eight times in the next uh, 15 games. I do not like the Nationals' chances at all. This is not a good situation to be in. This is not where the Nationals should be thinking about making moves to be better next season. I'm not saying blow it up because the issue is you've got a lot of talent on this team. Obviously with Soto, Garcia seems to be a guy who's going to be involved. The pitching rotation we've talked about at length. In theory, this team should be competitive. But there are parts of the team this season that you could give away that would benefit other teams that could get you some return. We've already seen teams like the Padres out there who are serious about challenging for a title this season. And I think there are parts on this Nationals team that could give other teams a boost. The Nats could get some value out of them. 
I think the two places that I would look would be well, actually three. Howie Kendrick as Dribble Cabrera and Kurt Suzuki. All those guys are on one-year contracts to finish out the season. If you can get anything for them, I would do it. Any kind of prospect, because here's the thing. Those guys are going to sit on your team. They're going to perform somewhat admirably, admirably, but at this point in time, it doesn't appear the Nationals are going to have enough time to turn things around. And so I would say Cabrera, Suzuki, and then also Howie Kendrick are your three best options. I think Kendrick has shown that at his age, he still is a very, not just competitive player, but like he kind of plays a bit younger actually than he is. And maybe an American League team could use him as, as a bat because while his performance and his numbers have not been great this season, he's hit the ball hard. He's actually come up with some pretty big hits. And I still think his mindset, I mean, there's a reason why he hits the, at the top of the Nats order. So I think he's probably your best trade piece moving forward. Estrubal Cabrera, another guy that I think uh, a veteran has shown several times that he can go to a team and have an impact in the middle of the season. Uh, he has done it with the Phillies, came to the Nationals last year and did the, did the exact same thing. So maybe you could get some value for the player that Cabrera has proven that he can be. Also as well, you know, I think teams have a lot of confidence that they can re-sign him too. So I know all those guys I listed aren't just, are not guys that have contracts lasting longer than a year, but those are all guys that they could move. Um, Pitching-wise, and I don't think they're going to move anybody. I mean, Sean Doolittle does not have much value at this point in time. I don't see that happening. What I think the Nationals need to do is reassess that Austin Voth spot, and I'm going to talk to Connor Jones about this later on today because last week I listed the three options. I said roll with him, Will Crow, or trade for somebody. Don't think they're going to trade for somebody. Don't think they're going to get a Will Crow in that spot because I just activated them last week. I wouldn't mind seeing them go with a change, and he would be a change. But I think at the spot they're in this season, you know, if the Nationals continue to lose, let let Austin Voth try and prove it. Let him try and prove it. We'll, we'll get to more of that later with Connor, but I, I just think reiterating that is important. And at this spot in the season, just give him a chance. Roll the, you know, roll the dice and see what he gives you and see if he – can turn it around because we saw last year Anibal Sanchez didn't start well and was able to turn it around. So this guy, I think, deserves that opportunity given the context of the season. If the Nationals were competitive and were in a spot where I think they could win, I would say get him the hell out of that spot. But they're not in that spot. So I would say practice some patience, let him go, let him fight to see if he's got anything for the Nats moving forward in the future. All right, make sure you guys follow at LO Nationals on Twitter. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. Check your podcast feeds as well. Make sure you uh, you can rate, subscribe, download the whole nine yards. Appreciate any of that stuff you guys could do for the show. We'll be back tonight with a recap of the Nationals-Phillies game and also, too, Connor Jones and I will discuss what happened at the trade deadline and what the Nationals should do to close out the season. Before we go, want to let you guys know that today's episode was brought to you by Postmates. When you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., or breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and ibuprofen at 10 a.m., Postmates it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery system. Whatever kind of food you need, they'll deliver it all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. offering delivery. From all the restaurants, grocery stores, convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver 
anything to you. Download the app on iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time right now, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. Download the Postmates app and save with code Locked On. 